There's a school in Memphis, Tennessee, that a few years ago decided to take on a most audacious project. They chose to make the development of leadership skills and abilities as central to school life as any of the other elements that had been at the heart of the school for over a century. Let's say that you were an educator and you were charged with such a project. How would you do it? What kind of experiences would you design for the students? Would you build formal classes or focus your efforts outside the classroom? How would you generate interest and buy-in among the students and the faculty? How could you make it so your new program added life to all aspects of the school without competing for time or space? In the following video, you're going to hear how Hutchison School has answered these questions through the mind and voice of its founding leadership director, Caroline Blatty. So Caroline, thanks so much for um, having a conversation about how you and how Hutchinson builds leadership. And let's just start by, by you saying, what exactly is Hutchinson Leads? Sure. So Hutchinson Leads is a formal leadership program for our students at Hutchinson. We're an all-girls school, K through 12. And the program will eventually reach the entire school. But right now, it's currently in the upper school and the middle school. And it's a combination of both programs, um, elements involving seminars, speakers, program opportunities for students. And then it's also a program that we built internally to help change our culture and inspire leadership among our students and also among our faculty members um, and to create a culture that we believe um, will be transformative around the area of leadership development for girls. That's great. How long have you been doing this? This is our third year. Um, two years ago, we began with a pilot year, and then last year was the first full year, and this is our second year. So technically three years, but the first year was a pilot year. How serious a part of the program is Hutchison Leeds in terms of the whole school program? Yeah. Well, if I think it's one of the most exciting things is that three years ago, um, we had conversations about the fact that we do obviously offer leadership opportunities at our school. I mean, any you know great independent school is going to have opportunities on sports fields, in the theater, in student council. But we hadn't really been um, thoughtful or intentional about what it would mean overall or how we would assess the effectiveness of leadership or what it would look like if we actually provided intentional programs that we knew were tied to leadership attributes, traits, and skills. So three years into it now, we can really say that there has been a change in our culture, that the girls have responded so well to the program offerings, that they've grown quite a lot in terms of self-awareness, um, and also their assessment of where they are as leaders in the community here, and what it's going to mean when they step forward into college and beyond. It's a big thing to talk about a change in culture, particularly in two years, so that's amazing. Can, can you relay any incidents, um, anecdotes, which sort of show you that, that things are changing with your culture? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think what's interesting about leadership programming is that initially when you begin, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like this huge thing that is very much tied to theory. And I think sometimes as educators, we may not be certain about how to formally implement it in terms of a curriculum or in terms of our programming. So I think one of the greatest differences we can see is the shift from leadership being something that's um, kind of out there or in theory, and we, we can kind of see how we're doing it, to actually being able to see the results in our students. We now have a number of students who've gone through the program 
that we have stories that we can tell about those students. And I think, you know, we do know that we work with students that were working with these, these vibrant lives that have so much to offer us. And so the, these real-time stories that capture what a particular student did um, in a transplant surgery internship, or what a particular student did in a sustainable leadership program in the community, those kinds of things are really compelling because they give the real-time attributes, you know, life. And I think that that inspires our community. I want to follow up on, on both those things. So first... You talked about a surgical theater. In the past, I believe yeah. I've heard you talk about something that happens in theater. Can you share one of those stories with us? So our fellowship program offers students an opportunity to build on internship placement. So say they're with an architect or a surgeon, they then double their hours and then design also an original project. So one of our students who's really strong in both science and creative writing, um, did a placement or actually multiple placements with surgeons over the course of a summer. And saw everything from an amputation to minor surgery, stomached all of it. And throughout the experience though, was so com- felt it so compelling that she was also working on a creative writing memoir that was gonna be in conjunction with her time in surgery. So that was a blend of both her passions for science and her passions for writing. Um, and then she also worked throughout that time um, looking closely at a book called The Art um, Body of Work by Dr. Christine Montross, and that was helpful for her modeling her own original memoir called, called The Art of Repair, and she did a community reading at the close of that um, production of that memoir. So there was great learning for us to see a student who's, who's passionate in two areas, in science and, and in the arts, um, to come together, and for that to be something original to the student that she was able to, to move forward with and is, is very certain that she wants to go on to medical school but does not want to give up on this passion that she has for writing. Um, and then the second piece of it is that projects can also be proposed at the 10th grade level um, in terms of connecting with nonprofits. So in the 12th grade, the projects may come out of their work with professionals, doctors, lawyers, surgeons, etc. In the 10th grade year, they, they propose original sustainable projects that have to do with partnering with the community. And one of our students uh, a year ago came to me with a real interest in theater. She's someone who's done theater her entire life, song, dance, the whole bit. She's phenomenal. Um, and just said, I want to do something with some of my passions in this area. What could I do to help the community? And out of that conversation came a four-week program that she implemented from start to finish all on her own called Thumbprint Theater, and it was a program with a group of students for four weeks, um, partnering with the Boys and Girls Club, producing at the end of it, they had a final performance that was choreographed, song and dance, and playbills, and Tony Awards, and fantastic energy, and mentoring that was going on by the student for the other students. Um, And then, you know, I think sometimes you don't realize how much of an impact these programs will have on students until we actually heard her give a speech for Grandparents Day, and she talked about that specific program and how the greatest joy that she felt in that program was not that um, she was producing anything or she was performing. It was that she was watching the joy that the students had in their own performances. Um, and it was really that sense of a leader who was giving back, but also had showcased a lot of innovation and creativity and tenacity to bring that program from start to finish with a group of um, students from four weeks, take them from just some interest in dance and theater to a performance they were able to, to carry off at the end. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. Yeah. And the, the, um, um, the surgery internship, it, it's not as if a student can go in and, and, and assist in a surgery. So right, no problem. What was the nature of the student's work other than reading the memoir and writing about her own experience? Yeah, so she actually was, I mean, she was scrubbed into every single surgery. So she was about a foot away from most surgeries. And oh um, no, they can't perform surgery, but I definitely have students tell me that the doctors let them get pretty darn close to the surgery itself. Uh, so they're hands-on in terms of like being right there in the moment. Um, and a lot of conversations too with debriefing with the surgeons afterwards in terms of what they've seen and then beforehand. Um, and then opportunities too in that respect 
um, I had a student this past summer who was working with a vascular surgeon who basically he had her do, I think it was a hundred different knots. He was teaching her how to suture wounds, doing the same kind of exercise he himself would have done at the beginning of medical school, just how does you tie a knot and how the knot tying would actually tie into physically suturing up a patient in the end. Um, and just students have gotten pretty close to seeing things. They've been you know, directed exactly to where the tumor is that they're looking at or um, in a double mastectomy, they're there in the room watching from start to finish. Um, during cesarean sections, they're seeing the patient being sewn up again. So, um, yeah. Uh, and that'll, that'll test their mettle. And in these cases, yeah. do they still want to go to medical school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. There hasn't been one girl who hasn't wanted to become a doctor or become a nurse. What happens at 11th, 10th, mm-hmm. 9th? Mm-hmm. And 12th, yeah. So the fellowships are the original projects that come out of the internship experiences. In professions, they can be in nonprofits. So that's one aspect of the oldest part of the program. Um, what I outlined with um, the student with theater production actually is in our nonprofit sector, which is in the 10th grade, and that's called leadership locally. So that's where students are looking for opportunities to partner with the community uh, in terms of nonprofit work. And so that was her particular project. Um, so there are original projects going on at the 10th grade level that have to do with nonprofit work and then in 12th grade you can still connect to a nonprofit but it may also be with a business uh, with a surgeon uh, with a photographer that kind of thing so professional placements but um, the program overall starts in the ninth grade with a piece on self-reflection and self-awareness which is extremely fitting as you would know for ninth graders and particularly girls and so there are seminars that I get to teach which I love teaching and there are I think there were 75 girls last year and I get to meet with all of them and work on scenarios having to do with conflict resolution communication skills, a leadership inventory, a piece on self-reflection, defining leadership, and then some goal setting. So by the time they leave the seminars with me, they've set some particular goals at Hutchison and then kind of beyond. And it's also a way for me to connect to them and explain the program and provide them with examples for how they can get involved as they go through the program. Um, Then the 10th grade year is called Leadership Locally, and that's where students design these original projects that impact the community and they partner with nonprofits. Um, And they're also supposed to be sustainable, sustainable projects that they take all the way through their 12th grade year and pass back to students. There's a lot of learning about mentoring others by the time they get to 12th grade. Um, And then the other piece is the speaker series. And this is, um, in the first instance, a place where I was able to connect with everyone from individuals in the mayor's office to leaders in nonprofits to CEOs of companies. Um, But in the subsequent years, I've actually turned that back over to the students um, to provide, I think, the, the greatest learning and leadership curve for them. So I work with that grade now to establish the short list of speakers, work with the class to decide who we're inviting, um, who's working on the thank yous, who's doing the introductions, who's researching the speaker, um, and all those pieces are part of that 10th grade year so that the community of Memphis is something that becomes a lot more real to these students. Um, just because sometimes, obviously, in 10th grade in high school, you're busy, got a lot going on, and, and we want them to, to really be able, to be more outward-looking, obviously, to the community. Um, I, so that's I just important. have to pause you to, to, allum- to highlight something, which is that phrase you, you used, turn it over to the students. I, I love that that you've done that so quickly for your 10th yeah. graders. Right, and I think any of us would say that sometimes, you know, there's so much to learn in that process. Things might take a little bit longer. There might be little challenges along the way, but they're the best moments. They're like when you're teaching a class and you realize in part of um, doing things differently or going on in a more original way that you're learning and there's so much growth there, even if there are some challenges too. So we really enjoyed working with the students to partner in that process. So they're not just receiving the speakers coming into their class meetings or in a lecture hall. They've been part of the process of choosing and selecting and deciding who's coming in. And I think that's more meaningful for the students, too. Um, And it also helps for things like learning how to build consensus and how to collaborate and how to make decisions and 
how to resolve conflict in case one group would prefer a different speaker at a different time having to resolve it. Um, and then the 11th grade year moves from leadership locally to leadership globally. Mm-hmm. So last year we started um, a global ambassadors program, which has been really, really successful here. And it culminated with our first global service trip um, to Peru to work with the Women's Weaving Cooperative um, this past summer. Wow. But the program every month has speakers, films, discussion topics, and we took the first year and looked at the developmental continuum of women. So we started with prenatal health care all the way out to beginning to talk about microfinancing and entrepreneurial activities for women in developing countries. So that arc is still something we're going to work on again this year because you can imagine there are lots of topics and things Mm -hmm. to to look at, but we're growing the speakers that we have um, coming into our campus, and we're also, the students themselves are increasingly taking over responsibility with that group. In the first year, I was kind of running the program. This year, we'll have a board of students in charge of the programming who will meet with me behind the scenes to help make some of those choices again. So again, that we're investing back some of those choices to the students, that it becomes their program. Um, So we're super excited about that. Um, Then there's also a philanthropic literacy program that students can apply to be in going into that senior year. And that's a process where they read over 200, I think, 11 pages of grants last year. Um, We partnered with the Community Foundation here in Memphis so students learned about what people are doing when they apply for grants, what a grant looks like, what happens with taxes, what happens with you know information in terms of project proposals and challenges, and then they vetted all those applications. And out of I think we received six, we received twenty-seven um, grant applications. They selected one um, through the, throughout the year. So two and questions. It, yeah. One of them is nuts and bolts. Is this a class for students? Where do they get the time to do this? Yeah. Well, so, so it's not a class. Um, for the freshmen, though, they do have seminars. So that's blocked, that's worked into their study hall periods. And so I definitely felt like in our first conversations, one of the hardest things was to figure out how this would work with the, with the timing within our culture. Um, we didn't want it to seem like something additional or tacked on at the end of the day. We also didn't want to run it as a class. We wanted it to be uh, woven through the community in a way that we felt was meaningful. And the best way to do it was to offer all of these opportunities to all students. So students can take part in every aspect of the program. Yes, some of it is application-based, but they can still participate in something called the Community Leadership Initiatives that they can do if they don't get accepted into this more advanced project-based learning for 10th grade. Um, They can hear from all the speakers. They can participate. We look at schedule um, some study hall time. We have a universal free called a Y block. Sometimes we can use that time. We do some stuff through advisory. We do some stuff in our organization time, which is like Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10. Uh, We work with those classes during their class meetings. So I definitely got to know the school calendar very well and spent a lot of time figuring out where I can grow some time. But I think that that's been the most successful piece of it is it's not that it's, um, I don't know that a class would take away from the legitimacy of it, but I feel like it gives it the sense that it's part of our culture because it's in all, it's in so many places and it can show up in an advisory and it can show up at a class meeting it shows up in a uh, community event we're hosting in the gymnasium with the Girls Inc. community members. We have 200 girls here and our athletic teams are helping with that project. So it's, it's, it's happening in a lot of different places, and I think that makes it feel pervasive. For your 12th grade piece, yeah. where, where, where do they do that? How does that work in their schedule? Yeah, so we are lucky we have a block schedule. So that would mean that on certain days for internships, they might have a study hall, and then they do take the internship as a class. I should have said that. That is a class. They get course credit for that. And it would show up on their schedule, so they may have the entire afternoon, basically, where they could go to their internship because it's my class and a free or study hall. So they would use sort of like after lunch until the end of the day. They also can intern after school. They can intern on Saturdays. They can intern in the summertime. So we do get creative again with where to find those pockets of time. So, um, yeah. I take it, given all your enthusiasm, that it has not emerged as a concern that the girls are overburdened. 
No, not at all. I want to pick up a a thread which, which frequently runs through these conversations about how a school might take on a big in-depth project, more than a project, uh, inject leadership deeply into the culture as Hutchison is doing. Yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the things that frequently teachers may report is that their colleagues feel some sort of combination of either attachment to doing things the same way they've done them because it's familiar, because it's worked, because that's where the excellence has laid for years or decades or in the case of a school like Hutchison, which is over 100 years old, right? (laughs) A century or more. 100 years old, yeah. 110, 111 by now. And and then also there can be just this natural human resistance to seeing something change. Um, have you encountered that at Hutchinson? Do you have buy-in now, and what does that process look like? Oh yeah, no, it's a fabulous question. Um, I think initially, first, there's just there's straight up fear. There's fear mm. that will it work? Like, will it take? I mean, how how to, how to do this? How do you change a culture? I mean, it's an overwhelming question. And three years ago uh, was daunting to say the least. We didn't have a formal program like this. Uh, we had a lot of um, you know opportunities. We were working on leadership, but it wasn't intentional, and we weren't going to launch an entire program. So I think. Um, one of the first pieces is that I was on a committee that first year. We did a lot of the planning together and brainstorming. So there were a lot of constituents from the kind of stakeholders table at the beginning who then had connections and relationships within their departments and within the community. Um, and also that we did pilot the program in that first year so that we could um, introduce facets of the program, but not the whole program at once. Um, and then I think you do have to spend a lot of time on your relationships. It's not something that can um, just be um, introduced in the culture, into the, into the culture without spending time with your department chairs, with your advisors, with your grade level classes, with your students too, hearing from them. Um, I think it's really important that you listen really well and as much as you introduce or contribute that you're also making space through the process of listening and taking a step back and dialoguing and, and making sure that the pace works for the culture. I think it's also really great to start by first identifying what you do really well um, and first begin by maybe expanding the places where there already is momentum. Um, So for instance, with internships and fellowships, although that was a new program, we knew that there was some interest. We just knew from some conversations there was the beginning of interest. Um, And then in seeing what's happening nationally, we're able to kind of talk to our community about how these experiences really help our students, how it would empower them for college, um, everything from making career choices to choosing between two different majors um, to also being an opportunity where there is some kind of capstone project for that last year that the students can really invest in and explore their passions. So um, I think that's one thing. I think it is about pacing and it is a lot about listening and negotiating. Um, I also think, you know, I did participate in the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute and we've had a number of our faculty and administrators go to the program and it's been tremendously helpful because it's a, it's a really is a safe space where a number of other individuals come together, much like I was coming in that first year, with the same kinds of fears and anxieties and also great ideas and innovative thinking, but wanting some help and support. And I think it forms a community for you, which is really helpful, um, and also identifies within your school a number of people that you can really rely on when you get back to your school because others have gone through the program too. I work with the advisors, so all of the advisors are well aware of what I do, particularly with the freshmen, and all the advisors this year are going to get back all of the files from these students. So the students leave my seminars with a girls so really brightly colored file with all these cute little words on the front and stuff but inside are a lot of their assessments and their goal setting and the things that we've talked about and they'll do like a pre and post assessment 
Hmm. All that will travel with them back to their advisory, whereas you know in schools is a really great time for advisors to connect with students. So in conversations, they can sit down and open that up together and talk about their goals and talk about classes, but also talk about leadership opportunities. Um, and then I work with the administrative team, work with our upper school division head, I work with our assistant head for program. If I were a teacher who, who said to you, um, you know, this, this sounds great, but um, um, I just don't think leadership can be taught. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the same way that mm-hmm. mathematics or yeah. English skills can be taught, what would you say? Oh, gosh, I would say automatically, I think that that's a really compelling and interesting point that it couldn't be taught, but I think that it can be experienced. And I think from experience comes those lessons for our students. So I don't stand in front of students and lecture about what leadership is. Hmm. I provide them opportunities to experience leadership growth and all of its shadow sides and compelling joys. Um, so students are actually doing programs and activities and internships, and at the, the background of all of that, I know as an educator, are all of the attributes of leadership are, that are available to them. And also all of the opportunities to build skills. For instance, we do, I think, could come to a consensus that leaders should be able to collaborate with others. They should be able to communicate effectively. They should have, um, you know, the ability to make ethical choices. They should be, um, you know, where possible, innovative and creative, and where possible that they're organized and, and, and follow things through to the end. So the opportunities give students to figure out kind of where they have their strengths as a leader, because um, they can't be everything, and not every leader, you know, has every single trait or skill to that that, abil- to that ability. But within the grade and with all these program offerings and kids are working on teams together and then they're working on capstone projects and they're traveling to Peru, they are experiencing the leadership moments that are the most compelling for their leadership development. You're right. I don't think it works well to sit there with a textbook and lecture for four hours and teach what leadership is and take notes. I think it's about um, having opportunities to experience it in in the world and find out who you are. If I were to enroll my daughter in Hutchinson, yeah. I know that I know that you could guarantee me because it's a it's a high performing, yeah, independent school. You could guarantee me. You could say, Ted, um, your daughter by the time she graduates as a senior, she's going to be able to read Dickens um, yeah. and the New York Times and be able to understand them and and comment mm-hmm. thoughtfully about them. She's going to be able to write papers and even fairly extensive research papers. She's going to be able to perform algebraic equations and the list goes on. Yeah. Can you say with just as much confidence, Ted, she's actually going to know herself as a leader mm-hmm. and be capable of leading? Definitely, yeah. I can. And I mean, part of it is I used to teach English here. You know, I was an English teacher my first two years here. So I've lived the life of a teacher on our campus. And I, I, I've lived the um, high level of standards, what we're expecting of our students, what we're requiring of them in terms of their leading. And so in terms of pedagogy, um, I have a pretty sound sense of what it would take to really be successful with, with someone's learning opportunities. And so I've applied the same kinds of, you know, ideas and um, frameworks for leadership. So for me, it's it's been an extension of what I've done in the classroom. And I do think then providing all that programming with that kind of intentional set of pedagogy is what I think verifies the fact that these lessons are things they'll take with them and be able to to say that they are also learning to lead as effectively as they're learning to write a history paper or to be able to take an AP stats class. Um, that I will absolutely candidly admit that it's hard work to make this program um, what it is, you know, where it gets to. But I think that the the journey has been, you know, so interesting and so inspiring for all of us. And um, I think it's so worth it. And I think it's worth it to look at your school culture and see where it is that the teaching of leadership or the experience of leadership um, can be more intentional in places 
Um, I think it impacts all of us in ways that are transformative for you know, our 21st century schools. So. Thank you. I've, um, I'm, I'm intrigued and inspired by what you and, and your colleagues and your whole school is doing. And thanks so much for spending time talking about your experience. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right.